Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends. Appreciate you joining us today for our Everyday Truth podcast. Have a uh, postcard here, looks like from Amish country in uh, Sauter Village, Ohio. And this is from Doug Binkley. So Doug, thanks for listening uh, to the podcast. Appreciate it and your in- encouragement. Uh, Doug's from Massachusetts, but the postcard's from Ohio, as, as far as I can tell. Hey, we're in Jeremiah chapter number five, and we finished uh, last episode, verse number 13, and boy, it's important for us in this study to uh, keep a positive view. Our Lord loves us. Our Lord includes passages like these in the Bible that are heavy on judgment and warning for our admonition, always be reminded of Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, where the Bible talks about the things that are written aforetime. The Old Testament was written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. And sometimes we'll look at passages like these, these prophecies, and say, wow, uh, so negative. But it's really not negative. It, it's, it's intended to be a positive help to you and me. Experience keeps a dear school, but a fool will learn by no other. So we want to learn by the negative experience of others so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Here in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse number 13, just to pick up from last episode, the, the and the prophets shall become wind, and the word is not in them. Remember we said that these prophets that were contemporary to Jeremiah were essentially just spewing hot air. Uh, Their words had no substance. Now here we are in verse number 14, where the Bible says, Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. So uh, Because the prophets and the people are speaking lies and believing lies, God said to Jeremiah, I will make my words in thy mouth. So that's singular. So God said, so Jeremiah, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to make your words that much more weighty. I'm going to make your words that much more powerful. And here, the words of God in the mouth of Jeremiah The words of God through the pen of Jeremiah are likened to fire. And what is fire? Fire is often a symbol of God. Our God is a consuming fire. And fire is a symbol of judgment. It consumes. Uh, it, it it, It can be a weapon. And so here the Bible says that the word of God will be like a fire. that It will consume what it touches. And Jeremiah, you will be the wielder of my word. Look at verse number 14 again. So I'll make my words in thy mouth fire. And that's why it's so important. Can I just say this? For everyone that handles the word of God to realize that the power 
The effectiveness of a particular message or Bible study is always in the substance of the word. I will make my words fire in thy mouth. So it's not the the fiery preaching. Sometimes we use fire to describe a style of preaching or or to describe the volume of preaching. That's not what fire is. Fire in the pulpit is not a style. It's not a volume. It is the careful explanation and proclamation of God's word. It is God's word inherently that is fire. And then the Bible says, and I will make my people wood. So a combustible material, wood. So Jeremiah, your words will have a double effect uh, because your words will be in essence my words, you're sharing my words, unlike the false prophets, and I have made the people would. Uh, the, the people will be susceptible to the judgment of my words. So it's God that's working both in the speaker and in the hearer. God, God is at work here, and it is my job to be faithful to his word. Uh, that was Jeremiah. Look at verse number 15. Lo, I will bring a nation upon you from far, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. It is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation whose language thou knowest not, neither understandest thou or understandest what they say. So here, a God again is predicting through Jeremiah that he will judge Israel through a foreign entity, in this case, Babylon. So if you look at, for instance, some of the parallel books uh, to Jeremiah, like Habakkuk or like Zephaniah, uh, you'll read that God is going to use the Chaldeans or the Babylonians to punish his people. And remember, and I've said this before, but Habakkuk in particular was just dumbfounded by that. Lord, uh, you're better than that, than to use a wicked nation like the Babylonians. And Lord, honestly, we're better than that. We're better than they are. Why would you use a more wicked nation to chastise us? And God gave that answer. Uh, Live by, trust me, Habakkuk, I'm working. I will take care of the Babylonians. They will not be without culpability, but I am using them in my sovereignty to judge the nation. And here he says it again in verse number 15. Verse number 16 Describing the Babylonians, the Lord says, their quiver is an open sepulcher. They are all mighty men. So in describing just how powerful the Babylonians will be, he said their quiver. So that would be the long range weapon. Uh, Back in Bible days, the the shooting of an arrow, that was the long range weapon. Uh, Before the armies would clash hand to hand, uh, they would be softened up by the uh, the archers that would send in their arrows. And the Bible says, so effective are the Babylonian archers that it's like their quiver is an open sepulcher. Uh, in other words, the the firing of their arrows is like a sure thing. Uh, they, they're going to hit their mark and, and they're going to kill people because of their accuracy. So their quiver is an open sepulcher. They are all mighty men. You're going to face an army that is well-trained, that is formidable, that is accurate, uh, that is undefeatable, and that they are going to be allowed by me as a tool in your judgment. Uh, This should be ominous 
for the nation of Israel or Judah at this point. Uh, They should be scared to death. Uh, The warning that God is giving them should be looked at as, wow, Lord, you're good that you would warn us and we're going to turn. Remember the, the, even the Assyrians, when Jonah went and pronounced judgment upon them, it's going to happen in 40 days. And yet what did the Assyrians do? They turned to God and God allowed a mercy and God gave them uh, a second chance, even though they didn't deserve it. How much more should God's people be listening to these words that Jeremiah is preaching? And yet, alas, they did not. Look at verse number 17. And they shall eat up thine harvest and thy bread, which thy sons and thy daughters should should eat. Uh, They shall eat up thy flocks and thine herds. They shall eat up thy vines and thy fig trees. They shall impoverish thy fenced cities, wherein thou trustest with the sword. Nevertheless, in those days, saith the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. Think about verse number 17, the completeness of that destruction. They're going to destroy the landscape. They're going to destroy the crops. Uh, They're going to feed the army with the food that your sons and your daughters should be eating. You see what's happening? Your rebellion is going to have a negative effect generationally. You are harming your own sons and daughters. Your rebellion is causing your own children to go without. And that's the sad thing about any kind of rebellion is that it always has a it always has a, a tentacled uh, effect that it affects more than just you. It affects uh, beyond you. It affects the generations that come after you. And Israel, you're so stubborn and you're so uh, reluctant to hear the word of God. And eventually the punishment is going to affect your own children. How sad. And yet God in mercy says in verse number 18, nevertheless, in those days, when those days come, saith the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. Remember, we talked about this yesterday, how the walls would break down. And typically when walls are destroyed in a city, that city's done. And yet what does God say? I will not make a full end. Uh, I will allow a remnant to remain. I will show mercy. So even in the judgment, God says, I'm going to preserve a remnant. Why? Because they deserve it? No. But because God is good and because God gave some unconditional promises to people like Abraham. Remember the Abrahamic covenant and to people like David, the Davidic covenant. And so here, the offspring of David, uh, these sons of Josiah, who is a great, 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 great grandson of David, God's honoring his word uh, to them even still. What a merciful and gracious God we serve. Verse number 19, last verse I'll read. And it shall come to pass when ye shall say, wherefore or or why doth the Lord our God all these things unto us? Why is God doing this? When you ask the question, why is God doing this to us? Watch the answer. Then shall thou answer them, like as ye have forsaken me, and served strange gods in your land, so shall ye serve strangers in a land that is not yours. So think about God's answer. 
Okay? People will say, God, why is this happening to me? Why are you judging me? Isn't it interesting how when people rebel and rebel and rebel, God finally has to bring down judgment. All of a sudden, it's like, uh, this isn't fair. And why would God do this to me? And, and I can't believe this is happening. It's amazing how fickle we human beings are. And God's answer will be, well, I mean, you wanted to worship false gods in the land that I gave you. So I figured I'll just send you to a land where those false gods already are, and you can worship them there. What an ironic response. In other words, I'm basically in judgment giving you what you want. Romans 1, other passages indicate that the greatest judgment, the most harsh judgment God can bring upon any one of us is simply to turn us over to our own desires. And that's what's happening here. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse number 19. Hey, we're going to stop there for today. We're going to jump into verse number 20 tomorrow. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.